So we're going to be wrapping up our series here today called No Doubt About It. And here in this series, we've been talking about those things that there are just, there's no doubt about, those kinds of givens in life. And, and I, uh, I know you know this, but one of the no doubt about it is there's no doubt about it that retailers think that we're idiots, right? Have you ever experienced this? This past week, I experienced this. My daughter um, is just, she just graduated fifth grade, and so she's a middle schooler. So I have two middle schoolers now, and I'm getting all of the weapons ready to, um, you know, keep the boys away. Uh, I don't know what this sign is. Uh, it's apparently the sign for getting weapons ready. This is the universal sign. Again. But I'm doing what I got to do to, you know, fend off the boys. But um, I, I went into a store nearby to get her graduation card. And, uh, you know, here's one. Wow, Yahoo, way to go. Yippee, you did it. You know, and on the inside, so proud of you. Happy graduation. And then it says this. Place money or gift card here. And I thought, well, thank God it said that. Because I didn't know what to do with her money. I, I really, you know, my plan was actually I was going to stack it up. I was going to chop it up into little bits, light it on fire, and then get some carrier pigeons to drop the ashes on her as she dropped, walked out of the school. But thankfully now I know what to do with the money. I'm so grateful, right? No doubt about it. Retailers think we're idiots, right? But here in this series, we've been talking about many things that there's just no doubt about. The first week, we just celebrated the fact that you are loved. No doubt about it, you are loved. God loves you. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how hard and difficult this season is, you are loved. No matter your failures, the mistakes you've made, you are loved. Then we spent two weeks talking about, no doubt about it, Jesus is alive. And that's what everything hinges on. And so if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, we are so pumped that you're in the room. And I just want to encourage you to figure out if that's true. And there's so much evidence. And I would love to help you. We would love to help you figure out if it's true that Jesus is alive. But we spent two weeks celebrating that truth. The last week, we had John Contest here, and he helped us just celebrate the idea, no doubt about it, God wins. God wins. What a, what a, what a thought of peace that brings over my heart and my life as I think about this crazy world we live in, that God wins. Now today, I want to talk with you about this last thing here in our series that there's no doubt about, and it has to do with our identity. You see, we have identity struggles, don't we? doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how successful you are. doesn't matter where you work or what you do or, you know, who knows you, who doesn't know you. We all have identity issues. We all have struggles knowing why we're here, how much we're worth, if we have value, and what our purpose is, right? And, and this is so important to talk about because when we don't know what our identity is, we end up looking for our, our identity in other places, right? Often illegitimate places, not necessarily even sinful, just illegitimate in that they won't produce what we're hoping they'll produce, right? Think about it, right? Some of us have been searching for our identity or our worth or our value in a relationship, right? If, if I can get him or her to love me, I'll be somebody, right? Some of us were looking for it in money, right? Or stuff. If I can live in that zip code, then I'll be somebody. If I can drive that kind of car, if I can wear those kind of clothes, then I'll be somebody. But that doesn't work, right? We've all seen how that falls short, right? Somebody once said, how much is enough money? A little bit more than I have. doesn't matter how much I have. It's always just a little bit more than I have. And often we're hunting for our identity or our worth in that stuff or that dollar amount or that relationship. Another thing, when we don't know our identity or our worth or our value in God, we try to make a great name for ourselves, you know? Like when the name God has given us isn't enough, we try to find our own name. We try to make our own name great. When I was a kid, I actually wanted a different name. I didn't like the name Doug, and I certainly didn't like the name Douglas, and then moved on to my middle name, and it's Bruce, and now I realize I'm Batman and the Hulk, so how cool is that? That's legit, right? But 
then I didn't want to be called Doug. I, I really, I, wanted, I like literally went up to my parents. And I was like, can I change my name to Paul? Or like Mike or Matthew or Joe or something. I did not like the name Doug. And so there I had this whole issue with my name. But I, you know what else is true of me? I've also wanted not just a name change, but I have wanted my name to be great. And I, I was listening to a podcast a while back, and the pastor speaking talked about how he had a really good friend who came up to him one day, and they had a great relationship so that he could get away with saying something kind of hard to him. He said, he said, Mike, you know what the problem is in your heart? You know what the sin in your heart is? And his friend said to him, you want to have a great name. Like, that's what you make all your decisions based off. You want your own name to be great, and to be known. And so that drives you. Have you can you relate to that? Has that ever driven you? I want, I want to be known. I want, I want people to associate my name with greatness. When I was a kid, I, I thought my name was going to be great because it would be up on the scoreboard at Shea Stadium, right? Because I would be playing for the Mets, of course, right? And so, you know, greatness. Gooden, Strawberry, Carter, Hernandez, Jansen. It's all going to work out, right? I was ready for it, you know? Um, then when I was a teenager, I, my name was going to be great because it was going to be on an album cover on the band that, you know, I was touring the world with, right? And then as a pastor, my name was going to, of course, be on a book and it was going to be on the conf- poster for the conference I'd be speaking at and this and that. But when we chase a great name, man, it never works. It always falls short. Our staff, our, ch- our staff here at the church, we got to sit across the table from a pastor this past week who had everything I just named. He was the speaker at the conference. He has written many books. He pastored a church of over 30,000 people in America. That's about 100 times the size of our church. And we sat across the table from this guy. And do you know what we found out? That great name means nothing. And in fact, he went through some really difficult things and made a couple bad choices, and he lost everything in about a second. And we talked to him about that great name and how it was to be famous. And you know what he told us? He said, you know, I used to think it would be cool to be famous and be known and have this great name. But now I realize the more people that know you, the more people that could say bad stuff about you. And so I'm here to tell you today, that great name is not where you're going to find your identity. The next thing we might do when we don't know our identity is we just sort of survive instead of thrive. Do you know what I mean by that? Like when you don't know what your purpose is, you don't, when you don't know why you're alive or how much value you have, you really just sort of sometimes can survive. It's almost like you have your people that chase the great name and then you have your other people that they just sort of survive. They just sort of like wake up and do life and wake up the next day and do it again. But God doesn't want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying thrive means you live in this mansion and you drive all the most amazing cars. No, I mean that you thrive in that you know who God's made you to be and you live that role really well. And there's a security in that you're not going to find anywhere else. The last thing I'll just bring up we do sometimes when we don't know our identity or our value in God is we distract ourselves with things that are poisonous to us. And I'm just going to kind of let you fill in the blanks with that. But here's what happens. Guys, listen. Every one of us has been rejected in one way or another in this life, haven't we? I could tell you story after story of ways I've been rejected in my life. And you know what? Often, the pain, the junk we have down in here that we don't deal with we then turn to disastrous, poisonous things to just sort of make that go away for a little while. And again, I'll just let you fill in the blanks with the things that you might distract yourself with. But that's what happens when we don't know our identity in God. 
The rejection of being in middle school and being told that maybe you're fat or you were dumb or you weren't as athletic or you weren't as musical. Man, that's still in here, you know? And the, the mistake we make is when we just leave that kind of rumbling around in there and we never bring it to God and we never find out what he says about all those rejections and then we just sort of numb out and we distract ourselves with things that are usually terrible for us. And so today, I want to just remind you and share with some of you for the first time who you are, why you're here, what your identity is, what your value is. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, like I said earlier, we are so glad you're in the room. I hope you just love this place. I hope this feels like home to you. I hope you know your love today. And as you're here in the room, I want you to know that what I'm going to talk about is either already true of you or it can be true of you. The, the, the concepts I'm going to share with you today, the things I'm going to talk about, what God has done for us and what he says about us, they're either already true about you or they can be true of you here today. And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to discover the place where we find our identity this morning. We're going to find out how, mu- how much value we have and how much worth we have. And what we're going to do is we're actually just going to look at the first couple chapters of the Bible. We're going to look right in Genesis 1, 2. We're going to jump into 3 for a second and just add a few verses that show us something incredible about who we are. And we're going to look at Adam and Eve. Now, some of you guys, as soon as I say that, you're like, okay, uh, that's why I don't come to church. I don't believe Adam and Eve were real people. I believe that they were just concepts. If the Bible's even real, I don't even think that they were real, actual people. There was no Adam and Eve. Now, Doug, do you believe in Adam and Eve? Yes, I believe in Adam and Eve. Doug, why do you believe in Adam and Eve? Well, thanks for asking. The reason that I believe in Adam and Eve, well, first of all, I do believe that the Bible is true, but I only believe that, listen, because... A man was crucified and put in the grave and came back from the dead. Now, I'm sure about that. No doubt about it, Jesus is alive. Now, Jesus, that same person who was put in the grave and rose back from the dead, he talked about Adam and Eve as if they were real people. So, here's what I'm thinking. If you can die and rise back from the dead, I'm going to believe what you say about Adam and Eve. And so, I think you should too. And so we're going to talk here today about Adam and Eve and this incredible interaction they had with God. Genesis 1 verse 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Think about this. Right here, first chapter of the Bible, just 27 verses in, we find out God created us. God created us. Created us. Now, some of you guys might have another objection and, oh, come on, science and evolution, all this. And that's another day, another subject, another topic. And here's what I want to say to you. If you're going to kind of come in today and you're not going to be able to hear anything else I have to say because I'm talking about God creating, again, I would just point you back to Jesus. What you need to figure out is not did God create the world. That's not the starting point for you. You need to figure out is Jesus alive. And we're here to help you do that, okay? If Jesus is alive, then you can worry about if God created the world or if evolution is true, okay? But start with Jesus, all right? But when you and I are thinking about our identity, we're thinking about our value, we got to go, oh my gosh, God created me. I know you woke up this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you knew that, right? No one just went, wait, what? What did he just say? God created? No, nobody did that. We knew this. But when's the last time you thought about how much that must mean you're worth if God created you? There are paintings that exist that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you know why they're worth that? They're worth that because of who created them. It's a canvas with some paint on it. I could have that in my house this afternoon to be worth nothing. I'll get you a canvas. I'll put some paint on there, and then you'll cry, and then we'll throw it in the fire. Okay, it would be horrific, all right? But Pablo Picasso painted some of the most valuable paintings. They are only valuable because he painted them. 
If anyone in this room went home today and you had a Picasso painting and you copied it and you brought it to church next week and said, I'm selling this on eBay for $100 million if anyone's interested, you'll get laughed at because you're not Pablo Picasso. Pablo Picasso creates the value. You are created by God. You are God's canvas and he formed you. And so you are valuable, not because you're so amazing, but because God is so amazing. Next thing I see here in these verses, it says that God created us in his image. Think about that for a second. You were created in God's image. You know what the word image means, right? It just means in a, in, in a representation of, right? It's you are in God's likeness. And we all understand how an image works, right? An image just points us to the real thing. An image is not the same as, like, if you're looking at an image of the ocean, you're not looking at the ocean, you're looking at an, an image of the ocean, right? Something in its likeness. When we were on the men's retreat last week, we used this background during worship, during the, during the session, up on the screen, and it was image of a mountain. Just felt manly. Men's retreat, put a mountain on the screen. And so we had a mountain up on the screen, and no one, here's what no one did. Now, one of the guys on our trip got a backpack and some hiking boots on and tried to climb into the screen to hike the mountain. Why? Because they know it's just an image. And so you and I, we're made in the image of God. We're not God, but we are made in his image. And you know what that means? That means that God put things in you and me that are very much like himself. And you know what's awesome? When you and I look at each other, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to look at each other and say, man, God is an amazing creator. Look how he made all of us. Like, like, how crazy is that? We're supposed to look at each other, and it's supposed to, remember, we're the image. We're made in his image. We're supposed to point each other back to God, right? So if I'm looking at a picture of the ocean, I don't ever just think about the picture of the ocean. I always think about the ocean, the real thing. I go, man, that reminds me of how awesome the ocean is. It's beauty and splendor. I know many of you guys have pictures of me uh, in your home, on your walls, above the fireplace. And, and as you look at it, it reminds you of the beauty and splendor you get to see her in person. No, it's actually in the fireplace, right? While the fire's going. I know how you all work, right? But this is, this is the beautiful thing about us is we get to look at each other and go, man, what an amazing God. Look at how he has placed us together. Look how he's woven us together. I heard an illustration a long time ago. I hope I get this right, okay? So when you're being formed, I love we did a dedication today and we have several you know, new babies here in this church. It's incredible. And when you're in the womb, Okay, let's say this is your brain being formed here, and this is your eyeball being formed here, okay? There are a million receptors that grow out of your brain toward your eye. And there are a million receptors that grow out of your eye toward your brain. And it's not just like any old of the million receptors can meet each other and then we can see. No, the right individual receptor has to find the right other individual receptor. So receptor number 10 from your brain has to find receptor number 10 from your eye. Receptor number 500,000 has to find receptor number 500,000 from your eye. And when all million of them find the right one, then and only then can we see. Wow. You're created in God's image. You're worth so much. It's him who gives us the value but you are worth so incredibly much. You're made in the image of God. You know, what's interesting is not just that some of us are made in the image of God, but we all are. 
Like, you know, when you study ancient Near Eastern, Eastern culture, which I know you all do very frequently on a very regular basis, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to a baseball game. I'm going to go roller skating with the kids and study some ancient Near Eastern culture, right? But when you do, you know what you find? You find these writings. Now, we believe there's one God. But in these writings, in these pagan writings, you find all these gods out there, right? You've probably seen this in movies, Greek mythology, different movies, and different gods would choose a representative, like a king, right? You ever seen this in a movie? A king would be worshipped as a god. You know, he's sitting up there on the throne, and everybody's bowing down to him, and, and he, he's, he's been told he is the representative of God, and he's made in the image of God. Do you know what I'm telling you today? It's not just some king, not our president, not some king in another nation, not some other president in another nation. No, no, every one of us made in the image of God. We bear the likeness of our amazing creator. That should do wonders for our identity. If you're wrestling here today because someone told you in the seventh grade that you were fat, yeah, guess what? God formed you. And you're created in his likeness. Somebody once told you you were dumb. Somebody, your dad, your mom once told you you would never measure up. Well, that's interesting because God ascribes incredible worth to you. Let's look at Genesis 2, verse 7. We see another view of the creation of Adam and Eve. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, this is interesting on a couple levels because it says that we were formed out of the dust of the ground. In fact, the word Adam in the Hebrew actually comes from the idea of from the earth. Okay? So this isn't necessarily great news at first. We come from dust, right? Dust is pretty much worthless, right? I mean, uh, I have never called you guys together as a church and said, guys, great news. I figured out how we're going to pay for the new building. You will never believe what I found all around our current building. Dust. We're going to get it all together. We're going to start bagging it and selling it. No, right? It doesn't work because dust is not only worthless, it's stuff you throw away. I mean, at least with ice, they can bag it, right? It's, it's free, but at least it's helpful. And I have a wonderful recipe for ice if you'd like to talk to me about that later. But anyway, so dust is worthless. You'll get that later today. It's okay. Uh, dust is absolutely worthless. And yet, this is the canvas that God starts working with, right? And I love, it says here, that he formed us from the dust of the ground. And look at that. Breathed into us. Breathed life into us. You're struggling with your identity today? Can I just tell you God breathed life into you? Have you ever met somebody famous? And uh, remember when I was a kid, I met Mookie Wilson. He used to play for the Mets and, and I shook his hand. And remember what you did as a kid when you shook someone's hand that was famous? You'd be like, I'm never washing this hand again, right? And you come home, I came home from city, or I guess it was Shay at the time, my hand in my pocket. I'm like, yeah, you could put me in the shower, but this hand's staying in this pocket because I touched Mookie Wilson, right? God breathed into you. God breathed that life into who you are. You want to talk about touching someone famous? God formed you out of this dust, out of this canvas, into who you are. Don't ever doubt your worth. God breathed you into existence. All right, now in a second, don't put it up on the screen yet, Brian, but in a second, we're going to jump back to Genesis 1, and I want to just ask you a question first. Does anybody know, you don't have to yell it out, I'm just wondering, does anybody know the first thing God did after he created Adam and Eve? See, I'm 39, I've been a Christian basically since I was in the womb, and I never realized the first thing God did 
after he created Adam and Eve. I, most of us are probably going to think, oh, I'd probably give him some kind of rule, right? Told him what not to do. Go ahead, let's, let's look at what he, he did. This is the, literally the, the four words or three words after God creates them. God creates Adam and Eve, and then it says, God blessed them. God blessed them. Have you ever wondered why God made you? Why am I even here? Right? We've all said that. Like, broke up. Oh, she broke my heart. God, why am I even here? Why'd you make me? Well, some people say, well, you know what? God was, God was lonely. Don't you feel bad for God? He was so lonely. No, he didn't make you and I because he was lonely. Right? That would have been the worst plan ever. Like God's like sitting in heaven like, I'm so lonely. Oh, this is really boring. Like, I need some people to mess everything up and just be whiny, complaining problems I have to send my son to die for. Yeah, that's a good plan. No, he wasn't, he wasn't lonely. He wasn't bored. No, God created you to bless you. That's what Tom Constable says. He says, the chief purpose of God in creating man is to bless him. Man, sometimes life's hard, right? I mean, we're talking right now about Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything's perfect. There's no sin yet. But I just want to encourage you today. God, God created you to bless you. That's why you're here. That's your purpose. That's, that's your, oh, okay, God had actually a plan. And it's a good plan. And life is really hard sometimes. Life is really difficult sometimes. But I would guess if I held a gun to your head, this is a terrible illustration, but if I held a gun to your head and I gave you a pen and a piece of paper and I said, I want you to write down a thousand ways God has blessed you in your life. You could fill that paper up pretty quickly. We just don't count our blessings enough. God created you to bless you. Mystery's over. That's why he did it. He wanted to know you, and he wanted you to know him. He wanted to show somebody his goodness and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace. Verse 28, God blessed them. And here's the rest of the verse. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What do we see here? We see God giving Adam and Eve purpose now, right? Here's some purpose. I want you to fill the earth. Have kids. Have family. Enjoy family. Here's some more purpose. I want you to work hard and do things with excellence And I'm going to give you talents and abilities and I want you to do a great job with them. And there's an unspoken one. And it's not in this verse, but it's through the whole Bible. And we talk about this a lot here. One of the greatest reasons God created you was so that you could enjoy him. So that you could enjoy him. Now, how do I know that? How do I know God wants us to enjoy him? Think about it. Adam and Eve had incredible access to God. Before sin, they just hung out with God. In fact, check out Genesis 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God's just hanging out in the garden. God's taking a little hike through the garden. And he has this closeness with Adam and Eve. And you know what I love about this? They heard the sound of the Lord their God walking through the garden. How did they know that's what the sound was? How did they know It was the sound of God walking through the garden because they recognized it. Well, how do you recognize something? You've heard it before. Adam and Eve, I think, had heard God walk through the garden many times before because they had this closeness with him, right? In my house, my wife makes fun of me. She calls me the noise police. I'm the noise police. I'm sitting on the couch, 
or watching TV and suddenly I hear a weird sound and I jump up. I'm like, what was that? And I go on a hunt and it's this whole manly thing. It's great. And you got to find the sound. It's this weird sound you don't recognize. And I go out into the backyard, but it's just a woodpecker on the tree. Everything is okay. Press play again. We can keep the show going. I'm the noise police. But you know what's never made me jump up? My kids walking down the hallway. Why? Because I recognize their footsteps. I can even tell you who's walking. Oh, that's Cade. Oh, it's Landon. He tripped. Definitely Landon. <laughs> yep. That's Bryn. Princess Bryn tiptoeing, right? Okay. I, I know it. I recognize it. And Adam and Eve heard this sound, and they recognized God walking through the garden because this is what they had, access to God, enjoyment of God, closeness with God. They got to enjoy him. And so you get great purpose. God has given you purpose. He tells us to enjoy him. He tells us to work hard and use the talents he's given us. He tells us to love him and love others well. And I just hope in the midst of this, you're, you're starting to see and understand who you are. Man, we, we get hurt in life. People say and do terrible things that destroys our identity. Some of us, if we're honest, man, man, we're wrecking our marriage, chasing a great name. We're working so hard so we can be called CEO or boss or manager. And nothing wrong with being CEO, boss, or manager. We should work hard. But is it because we're chasing a great name? Some of us are numbing out from deep wounds and deep pains from people who dead, did or said things they never, ever should have done or said. And yet, we now have this opportunity to bring that pain and bring all that junk down in our gut to God and say, God, could, could you tell me who I am here? Could you tell me my name instead of the names I've been called, the things that have been said to me, the things that have been done to me? You see, you have great worth. God created you. It's wonderful. I mean, all it had to be off was one receptor from your brain and eye. No sight. I don't know about you. I don't see a random explosion. I see a God wonderfully, masterfully creating. When I think about just being able to see, and that's just one little illustration I've got for you, and then there's the rest of the body and how that all works. You were created in God's image. You bear some of who God is. God breathed life into you. You didn't just shake Mookie Wilson's hand. God breathed life into you. God created you to bless you. Think about it. Who do you, who do you naturally bless in life? You know, the Bible tells us to bless our enemies, bless those who curse us, right? All that good stuff. But who do you naturally bless? You naturally bless people that you just really love, right? I mean, I love to just bless my kids. I love to just make them feel so loved. I love for them to feel secure. And I love to just bless them. It'll, it'll just, the littlest thing that I could do, like, I mean, the, the stupid things that, oh man, if you guys were just walking through a day of life with me and I didn't know you were there, the stupid things you would see me do just to make my kids smile, I would never do in front of any of you. Just because I want to bless them. Just make them happy. And God desires to bless you. And God gives you purpose. He shows you why you're here. He tells you who you are. He tells you what you're called to do. And the top of that list is enjoy him. Now think about it. As great as Adam and Eve had it, unrestricted access to God. We have it better than them. Wait, Doug, what are you talking about? We have it better. They had unrestricted access to God. They, they could see God. They could walk with God in the garden. Yeah, but you know what? 
Although they knew that they were formed by God, loved by God, created by God, in his image, blessed by God, all those great things. You know what they didn't know yet? They didn't know yet that even when they were at their worst, God would still love them. They didn't know yet that even when they basically spit in God's face and did things their own way, the Son of God would get on a cross in their place. And that he would bear their guilt and their shame and he would rise back from the dead. See, they didn't know that. You and I know that. And so we're not just formed, created, made in the image, blessed. No, listen to this. You ready? Because of what Jesus did, we're sons and daughters of God. And I'm going to go try to chase a better name than that. I'm going to go try to find an identity other than son of God, Doug, Douglas, Bruce. No, no, no. Child of God. That's who you are. That's who God's created you to be. And so here's what I hope you're seeing today. No doubt about it. Your identity is found in God alone. No doubt about it. That's where it's found. Stop chasing for it everywhere else. Don't let somebody who once said something to you or did some, something to you tell you who you are. God gets to tell you who you are. Now you might say, okay, cool. But how do I stay rooted in this? How do I, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to Christianity. It's like, okay, how do I know more about who I am? Well, take a Bible today. We'll give you a Bible for free today. Take out your, your phone and there's a, a, Bible, a Bible app called the Version app and you can read God's word every day. How do you stay rooted in who God says you are? Because, man, we're going to walk back out into the, into the world this week. Some of you guys are still in school and you're going to go back to school. You're going to get made fun of this week. It's like, cool, man, Doug convinced me yesterday I was so loved and so valuable, and I went back to school, and within a half hour, I was told how stupid I was or how ugly I was or how unwanted I was. We're going to walk into the office tomorrow, and one of our bosses is going to rip one of us apart, huh? Pretty given in a room this size. How do you still stay rooted? Man, you got to be in God's Word, because God's Word is going to tell you a billion times who you are. And so being in His Word daily is going to keep you knowing and learning and discovering more and more about how incredibly loved, valued, and worth you are because of what Jesus has done for us. You know what happens when we get secure? I'll tell you. A couple things happen when we get secure. We don't have to look for identity in an illegitimate place anymore. Suddenly the zip code we live in doesn't matter. Suddenly the car we drive isn't who we are. Suddenly the job title we have or don't have isn't who we are. You know what else will happen? We won't have to make a great name for ourselves. We can just be us. And we can be the son or the daughter of God that Jesus has made us to be securely. We can thrive instead of just survive. Think about it. If, if Adam had woken up, I don't know how this all worked, but with the first time Adam opened his eyes, all one million receptors working, right? If God wasn't there to tell him who he was and what his purpose was, Adam would have simply survived in the garden. He would have just like been like a wild caveman running around, you know, finding stuff to eat, and that would have been life. But no, God created him to thrive, gave him a name, gave him a purpose, told him who he was. And we won't have to numb out anymore because we'll be secure in who God has said we are, and we'll bring to him all that hurt and all that woundedness. One of the best things I've ever done in my life is brought God my woundedness, brought him my emotional pain, and asked him to heal me. And it's in that security, in in that identity, that I can live free. And someone can send me a nasty email and say, hey, the drums were too loud and the lights hit my eyes and your your sermon was terrible. And I can go, all right, that hurt, but I'm loved. I'm accepted. God, thank you that those words don't define who I am. 
And you can do the same for your circumstances. And so, let me ask you a couple questions and then we'll close up. What illegitimate places have I been searching for my identity in? Where has it been for you? Where have you been trying to find who you are? And you just keep coming up short. How have you been trying to make a name for yourself? Because, man, that's exhausting and it doesn't even work. Trust me, I sat across the table from one of the most successful pastors in our nation and he told me, useless. What, in what way have you been trying to just numb out? And have you been thriving or simply surviving? I want to encourage you to think about those things and pray through those things. Because I, I just know, no doubt about it, your identity is found in God alone. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know what's true of you? You were created in God's image. He breathed life into you. You're loved. You're valued. He gave his son in your place. And today you get to respond to that. Today you get to say, all right, I want to respond and begin a relationship with this God who's done all this for me. Or you have the choice to push him away. And today, man, I would encourage you to respond to him, to put your trust in him, and to begin to explore what this relationship with him looks like. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to be working through the ways that you've been chasing your own identity. And I want to encourage you, man, just be secure in who God has made you. There's nothing like that. There is nothing like that. There is no joy outside of that. There is no peace outside of that. You just keep chasing the wind. God wants you to be secure in his love. If you're a follower of Jesus, be secure. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be secure today too because of what Jesus has done for you. No doubt about it. Your identity is found in God alone. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that we can turn to you and look to you today, God, and not be hopeless and not be driven by our name, not be driven by woundings in our lives, not be driven by the things that have happened to us, that God break your heart, things that you never wanted to happen to us, Lord, the things that people did, the ways people have abused or misused us, God. But I thank you that we can be driven instead by our identity in you and by your love for us. And so, God, we humble ourselves before you today and we ask for your help. If you're a follower of Jesus, will you pray through those questions I just asked? Say, God, how am I looking in illegitimate places for identity? Say, God, how am I trying to make a name for myself instead of just being a son or a daughter of God? God, am I surviving or am I thriving in you? God, is there pain in my, in my gut I got to bring to you? Is there, is there woundedness in my life, in my heart that I need to lay at your feet so I stop just trying to distract myself and instead I get healed? So maybe pray through those things. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I would encourage you to pray something like this silently. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for loving me at my worst. Would you show me how real you are, Jesus? Would you show me what you want to do in my life? Thank you for this gift of salvation. In your name I pray.